Hello, brothers and sisters. Pastor Jason here. I'm excited to be back with you today. And I want to come to you today off of a topic that was asked on Facebook. And that was Shelly Benbrook that asked that. And I appreciate you sending that question in. I was on my personal Facebook page. But I want to encourage you to go to pastorbites.com and you can review anything there, any of the old podcasts you want to listen to, any topics. There's been a lot of people ask me for topics that I've already done. But also you can review those there and also you can submit a question there or find me on Facebook or also on Pastor Bites on Facebook. But I want to uh, talk to you today about, first of all, the question that was asked was the difference uh, between condemnation and also guilt. But I want to talk to you in, in a little bit different way than what it was asked, because I believe it's worth noting or, or restating the question, which I believe is exactly what she was asking but there is, there is, first of all, guilt, and there is, second of all, condemnation, but then also there's conviction. And I think it's very important as we live the Christian life to be able to understand the difference with guilt and then conviction and condemnation. And so, uh, you know, the thing about this is, is it's important to understand the root of all this. And first of all, with a person that is saved, when we're talking about a person that is saved, and I, I, the assumption is with the question that it is a believer, and, and that's a big assumption. But if you are saved, and that means that at salvation, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes to rest in you and to live in you and to reside with you, then at that moment, there is a work that takes place that God begins to deal with you. And got in a different way. And and I'm not saying that God does not convict someone. Obviously, he has to convict for someone to be able to come to repentance. But we have to understand that if you are under the curse, and, and I mean that uh, with all humility, if you will, if you do not know Christ as your personal Savior, you there it is impossible for you to understand these things. It's impossible. Now you can know when you feel bad, you can know when you feel good. But but let me let me break it down. Let me start with first of all uh, as a child when I was a young man. I tell this story many times, but it's so good to understand we have a conscience. And God has imparted into us a conscience. And and that's a good thing. But we know that a conscience can be seared the Bible says like with a hot iron through circumstance through things. But I remember I was a young boy and I stole a piece of bubble gum. I believe I was I was around kindergarten, 5 6 year old and I didn't have the 3 cents. And we was in Hayesville and I went down to the little supermarket there and I stole that three cent piece of bubble gum. And I tell this story because I remember, you know, mom would get on to me. She might holler at me, you know, I might get a whipping and I'd kind of feel bad about it. But I, I never do remember having that outside of what happened at home or my parents uh, that were around or my grandparents. So I stole that piece of bubble gum and I was so excited. I put that three cent piece of bubble gum. I believe the statute of limitations has ran out on this. So I'm good. Uh, that's been about 40 years ago, but I was in that little convenience store down there in Hayesville on grand street. And I put that, I walked outside and I unwrapped that piece as I was walking home about a block back to my house. And I put that in my mouth and all oh, that tasted. I was so excited. I had that gum. I wanted it, but then I never will forget all of a sudden, the guilt that hit me or the conviction that hit me. Now, I didn't know what to do with that. I just knew that I didn't really want to have that feeling again. Now, I kept 
continuing. I was a young man. Of course, I made mistakes and, you know, I tried to be a good kid, but they always said I tried to be good, but I couldn't help but just to be bad. Now that, that can be called conviction. Uh, that can be called guilt. But the thing is, the, the thing is, is that the Bible says that godly sorrow leadeth to repentance. That's what the scripture says in Second Corinthians. I believe it's chapter seven, verse 10. It says that godly sorrow leadeth to repentance. Uh, and so if, if we're truly sorry in the things of God, we will then turn and repent. And so I shouldn't steal again. Now, I was not ever what I would call a klepto or a thief. I had other problems, but I really made a general purpose in my heart to try to stop stealing. Of course, I did steal other things, but I knew a lot of people that they would label them thieves and they would go and break into stores and steal stuff out of you, off your dresser or anything else if they're at your house. I, I And I really... I don't like that. But having said that, I did not understand how to stop this cycle of feeling bad about the things I did because I was not a saved young man. And it was later that when the Holy Spirit comes and assists you, when he assists you, then you're able to overcome some of those, whether it be wanting to steal or wanting to use drugs or whether it be wanting to talk bad about your neighbor or your friends, uh, whatever it is. See, it's just nearly impossible to be able to be, we can be better people, but we can still have selfish motives. And in other words, I can be nice to you to get you to do what I want, but that's not really the right reason to be nice. See, without the Holy Spirit, it doesn't really put things into perspective. But having said that, in our lives, a lot of times, we well, I call it like to call it lie-based thinking. And that's where you have to be careful with this, with this thing that I'm going to call guilt or especially condemnation. And, and this guilt, a little bit of guilt, I've heard people say this for years, you know, guilt is a good thing. Well, and, and let me say it another way. They also use the word shame. And guilt and shame, there may be a little more difference, but what we don't want to do is have guilt-based thinking or shame-based thinking. That's toxic thinking. In other words, that's toxic guilt. It's okay to feel bad when I do something wrong, and the Holy Spirit can enlighten me to show me that. It's okay to feel bad. But it's another thing to think that we're just no good and we are bad. Do you see the difference? I do something bad is one thing, but I am a bad person is another thing. Now, we know that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the truth is, we don't want our identity find, found in our failures. But what, what, did, what does God say? We're fearfully and wonderfully made. He knows every hair on our head. You know, he, he knows all the lilies in the valley, how they toil and how they spin. How much more does he care for you? And so to, we have to overcome this idea. We can feel bad when we do something bad. But the truth is, we need to make that thing right the best as possible. If we wrong someone... Uh, guilt is not good if we lay in bed and feel bad about ourselves and never do anything with it. Uh, a conviction, and the difference in conviction and guilt is this. Let me put it this way, and also I'll throw shame in with the word guilt. But they're on two different sides of the coin. I, I, I had this illustration years ago that I believe God gave me when I was trying to separate what is condemnation and guilt and what is good and what is bad, or what is conviction and then condemnation. What's the difference between conviction and condemnation? Those are those main things. And, and God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, kind of showed me this, this illustration to use for people. And it's like when you're, you're standing up and you're walking down, down your daily life and something happens and you do wrong. 
No matter what we're going to do wrong. But conviction is like when that uh, it's like a swing, if you will, or you're on your porch one day and it's like a, sw- a swing as you're as you're standing there, you do something wrong, whatever it is. You say a bad word, you talk bad about someone and, and, and conviction, when God convicts you, it's like a, a porch swing hitting you in the back of the legs and knocking you down. I mean, you feel it. You're like, whoa, man, I messed up. But no more than you see it, if it's true conviction and you identify it, at the same time it knocks you down, that swing will lift you up to where you say, you know what, I need to make that right. I need to apologize. You know, Lord, I'm sorry. First of all, we need to tell God we're sorry, because really we've grieved the Holy Spirit when we've sinned. But then the next thing is, is that we make that thing right. I might need to make a phone call to apologize to someone. I may need to come in line to repentance. If I'm having a war in my mind with someone, so, you know, outside the church, inside the church, at work, I may need to be part of my conviction when, it, when, the, when the Spirit of God knocks me down, you know, if you will, on my fanny or on my knees, I need to realize on the way up, there is a behavior that needs to happen after that. But see, we get caught up in guilt and in shame to where we're just no good, so we messed up. Let's just say we gossiped about that person. We made a mistake. We, we cut them down with our tongue, and we went behind their back and said bad things. But really, then, first of all, I hope you feel bad about that. If you don't feel bad about that, I'd have to say, are you saved? Or is your, is you, has your, has you, do you have anger? Do you have malice? Do you have something in your mind? I hope when you, when you degrade someone, you feel bad about that. If you don't, I would ask, are you really saved? Or have you just hardened your heart? You know, anger can be a big blocker with emotion. But are you allowing the Holy Spirit to take root in your life and to work in your life? But most generally, we should feel bad or the Holy Spirit should be checking us when we do something wrong. We talk about drugs or alcohol, but I'm talking about things that we're dealing with people and people's lives. And, and we should want to better people. We should want to help people that are around us. And, and so when that hits my heart, I, first of all, I go to God. And do I make a phone call every time I've done something wrong? No, but I do re- try to repent of that sin. So I try to say, God, help me bridle my tongue. Next time I'm around someone and I fall into that trap of the gossip or talking bad about my brother or my sister, you know, God help me to say something positive. That's something I've learned. If, if someone's running someone down, learn to pick out something positive about a person and it will change the whole atmosphere. God help me to be more godly. Help me to be spirit led, not flesh led. It's easy to dog someone. It's hard to find out something, you know, that's good in someone. So that repentance on the way up, there should be a behavior, first of all, toward God that says, God help me, empower me. Empower me to be not, not to act like that, not to be in the flesh, but to be in the spirit. You know, the, the, if we're going, there's no condemnation for those who walk after the spirit and not after the flesh. But if we walk after the flesh, we are stuck, going to be stuck in condemnation and guilt because we want what we want. We're going to take our toys no matter what. We're like the little kid in the sandbox. We're playing in the sand and you've made me mad and I want your toy. So I hit you over the head with a shovel. Well, I mean, there's going, if there's no repentance, there's going to be no life and sin brings forth death. Sin brings forth death, the Bible says. So if I continue in sin that grace may abound, God forbid. 
So when I hit someone in the head with a shovel, I'm talking about, you know, as, as being adults, I'm using the children as an illustration. As I get my way and do what I want and talk bad about someone, gossip about someone, cut someone down with my words, or fight with someone about something petty, what I'm really doing as an adult is I'm saying, I'm going to act in the flesh, and that's the way I'm going to be. And God help us. I hope that you feel in your heart that that behavior is wrong, and that then not only do you feel it's wrong, but you go to correct it. But see, many of us have been raised in homes, and, and mine was one. I love my parents, and, and I think they did good for what they could do, but I lived in a very dysfunctional home. And so I walked around a lot of times as a young man. I didn't really realize, you know, I didn't psychoanalyze myself or understand. Matter of fact, I didn't understand a lot of it until I got saved. And the Holy Spirit, the Bible says the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. And I had to do some work on myself because I had some lie-based thinking and some shame-based thinking. You know, I heard enough, you know, you're a bad kid. You're a bad kid. You got a good heart, but you're a, you're a bad kid. You know, I got in trouble. I got in trouble with the law. I got in trouble at school. I got in trouble by the teachers. And I had some great teachers. I'll never forget uh, in that back in Hazel, even back close to where I was going to elementary school, right by that little grocery store. I had some great teachers, but I also had some teachers that didn't like me. And, you know, they didn't know anything to do but just say I'm a bad kid. They labeled me. And through my life, I, I, I really did believe. The Bible says this, so a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So a man or woman thinks in their heart, so are they. You know, when I got saved, I couldn't believe the fact that God loved me. I couldn't believe the fact that he died for me, for my sin, that he loved me so much he would climb to the old rugged cross. And I thought, but God, I'm not a good young man. I'm not a good man. I saved at 29. I'm not a good person. God, how can that possibly be? And it overwhelmed me, the fact that he loved me. But I knew the Holy Spirit showed me that in spite of my sin, in spite of stealing the bubble gum, in spite of, you know, you know in, in, even in spite of me hurting other people and getting into fights and doing the things I did, that he still loved me in spite of that and still wanted to do a work in my life. And it brought me to repentance. Did I do everything perfect from the day I prayed? No, but I began working on trying to be a better man, trying to be a, a fair man, trying to be a God-ruled man, not a flesh-ruled man. And, you know, I quit going to some of the places that I went to that, that it was cesspools for sin, and it was a, a den of Satan, if you will. And I began to turn through repentance. It doesn't mean it, I didn't do it to try to please somebody or try to be a better person. I think sometimes we do things to try to be better. I did it for the kingdom of God. I did it because I wanted to please my Lord and Savior. Now, granted, a byproduct of that was I did get more accolades, and, and people liked it a lot better when I was kind to them than whenever I you know, hit them over the head. That, that was a positive thing. But my heart was to, before an all-sufficient God, you know, repentance is when we realize that, yes, we're never going to be perfect, but we, we strive. That's what, that's what repentance is. That's what salvation is. We strive toward being better in the kingdom of God. But I cannot let guilt and shame reside in my heart or in my mind. I repent of it and I get through it. And I try to remember. And see, that's how I try to stay away from guilt and shame. And, and brothers and sisters, this is a battle. I'm going to tell you, this is a battle. But we got to battle it. I got to battle it with people, with attitudes, with, with messages I hear from people. Sometimes people just have bad days, even in my family that love me dearly. Believe it or not, they have bad days. 
And I can't own something that I don't own. I, you know, I, I remember a story of a man, uh, Edward Smith's his name, a great, great, uh, does a great work in theophosic prayer ministry, and he has a great work on lie-based thinking. And he said he was teaching his kids about what was right and what was wrong and what shame to, you know, what, what conviction to, to accept and, and what good criticism to correct. But sometimes it wasn't their junk. So he was trying to teach his kids this. And he said his kids, uh, they were, they were second, third grade or something, maybe, maybe in uh, junior high. But anyway, they were in the back seat and he'd been teaching this, this way to think, think in the light of God, in light of scripture. You know, the Bible says we're to bring everything before God. Anything that we expose will be covered. Anything covered will be exposed. So this idea of, of thinking to, to exposing this to his children and, and saying, this, this is not my guilt. You know, that they, he should communicate that. He was teaching his kids communicate when someone's trying to put false shame or false guilt on you. And he said he was driving down the road and something happened and, and he was running late. And he said he turned around to the back seat and he said, I can't believe you guys did this. What's going on? And he, he chewed him out. And he said he turned his head around and when he was done, he said his little boy from the back seat said, that's not my garbage. And he turned around and said, what? He said, that's not my, that, that's, that's not me. That doesn't belong to me. You know, you're falsely accusing me. I didn't cause this to happen. You know, this is because of a chain of events, but I'm not going to accept that on me. And he said he just couldn't believe it. And he said he just broke out in laughter. He said, the boy's been listening to me. He said, I was angry and I was mad. And I was upset because I wasn't going to get nowhere quick enough. But the truth was, he said, I should have started leaving a lot earlier than I did. And because of one little thing that, that they forgot, he wasn't going to, the, the little boy was saying, I'm not going to let that be shameful to me, dad. And he said, man, I can't believe it when my kids actually listen, you know. And then that's the way we need to be. You know, I've been shamed for, uh, for instance, I've been shamed because I just simply, when I was a young man, a, a boy, and even as an adult, that I ask a question and they're like, you should never do that. I'm like, what? What do you mean I can't do that? I mean, I was a boy, you know, there were questions in our family that you weren't supposed to ask. Are you kidding me? You know, I'll say that about my mom. She was a lot of things, you know, when I was, she wasn't a Christian, but it was always okay to ask questions, challenging questions. And you know what? We need to provide a safe place for our children, whether they be little children or older. I call it a safe place. And, and as teens, and, and I failed so much at this. That's how I learned later on in life. I always tell people I learned more about raising kids by the time my last one got out of the house. I think I was doing an okay job. I failed miserably up until the last couple of years. But we are to make a safe place to where our kids can challenge us and ask us things. There's no such thing as a bad question. And by the way, who makes those rules? Does it say in the Bible, you can't ask this, you can't ask that? See, because what will happen if we don't is our children and our grandchildren, they'll connect to other people and ask these difficult questions that we don't want them to ask. And I'm not going to accept the shame from anyone from asking a question because I think that in our relationships, the depth we should have, whether it be in the church or whether it be in our homes and our families, we are to be able to ask questions. We are to be able to share things. But, you know, there's those unwritten code words. Uh, I've worked for uh, companies and businesses, multi-billion dollar businesses. And one of the things I've noticed about them is, is they would sit around and they would talk about tough things and they would share things and, and they, they progress. They, they, they actually, what was their whole point? Their whole point was to make money and whatever it took to get there, they would go through those painful uh, uh, talks, those correctable things, and they weren't considered bad. 
But if we're shame-based and we're guilt-based, then we'll say anything we talk about that has any negative connotation. I've heard people say they're just negative all the time. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about what is to be like negative. Why do you say that? Maybe they have a frustration. Maybe they don't know how to talk about it. But I'll tell you what happens. A lot of times people just stuff things. They stuff their guilt. They stuff their shame. They, and, and, then, and then we don't know how to operate when people ask tough questions. But having said that, remember, I can't take anyone's shame upon me. I can only control how I behave and what the things that I do. And when I mess up, the Bible says a righteous man falls seven times but rises again. So I try to turn that into repentance. And I'll tell you this. I ask people this. This is one of the keys to overcoming guilt, shame versus condemnation. And I ask myself, and in versus conviction, I ask myself the question, you know, is this the voice of God or is this the voice of the enemy? And I will guarantee you this many times, a lot of what I hear, and I mean a lot of it because I have been raised in the way that I was and, and also been in a broken world. It's not just the way we were raised, but I've been in a broken world for years and I worked in the secular world for years of my life. Uh, up until uh, I was, well, 38 years old, if you will, full time. Uh, I worked in, in, the, in the oil field industry, and it's a tough industry. And, and I asked myself this question, you know, how, when, you know, when I'm feeling this way, is it the voice of God or the voice of the enemy? The voice of the enemy says this, you're no good, you'll be no good, and there is no hope. That's the voice of the devil. That's shame, that's guilt, that's lie. Those are all those things. That's not conviction at all. But conviction is when I've messed up or something has happened. Say someone's blew their cool with me. Someone's gotten mad and chewed me out or whatever happened. I turn to God and I say, God, what do you want me to do about this? And you know what? Sometimes people are just mean and sometimes people just do wrong things. And you know what I got to do? I just got to drop it. There's one area in anger is that you just learn to drop it. But then there's another area I need to confront it. When that person cools down the next day, I need to go to them. I need to talk to them. I need to address the situation. But the main thing is I'm not going to take someone else's garbage. I'm not going to take the devil's garbage and put it on my head. I can only control me. I can't control hurt people, hurt people. And sometimes my job is to love them in spite of who they are. But at the same time, I don't take that into my identity. And I say, God, what do you want me to learn about this? Sometimes it's get people out of my life that are hurtful. But I cannot take that guilt and that shame and that worry. And when I feel bad or I feel, and there's no place to, to lift up like that swing, there's no place to come out of this, I simply say, God, if I've searched me, oh God, the psalmist said, and see if there be any wicked way in me. And God, please forgive me. I've said that dozens of times a day. But you know, I try to leave it there. And I drop it. I say, God, your grace is sufficient for me in my time of weakness if I have. And then I go on. Because if not, the devil will be dropping, if you will, circumstances and bombs on you. People are, people are used by the devil and they don't even know it. Christian people said the other day that it's like the baby that cries out in the church service right whenever you're given an invitation. And he cries out and it kind of distracts people. You know, the other day we had a sound problem right at the time of invitation to invite people to Christ. And man, this sound went real loud in the sanctuary. And I was like, oh man, you talk about killing the spirit. I mean, I was just getting, just pleading with them. Just about to have them, you know, invite them to front, to, you know, to challenge their soul. And that happened. Well, it wasn't that that was not the devil. I don't think he got inside the speaker and the soundboard and make that happen. It had never happened before. 
And of course they got that shut down and I tried to regroup it. And then some people came forward. As a matter of fact, people gave their life to Christ. So God overcame that. A couple people did. But my point is that wasn't the devil that did it, but the devil uses that. And remember this in your life. The devil will use people in your life to get you under condemnation, which there's no hope there. That just leads to death. That'll get you under guilt and under shame. But God has come that he he should give you life and life eternal. But godly sorrow leadeth to repentance or to turning and and to where we have no regrets and to where where we know we're flawed, we know we make mistakes, but we expose that before an all sufficient God. And then the Bible says that he will cover it. He'll cover it because he's graceful, he's merciful. And the Bible says where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. One of my key scriptures, and I'm done, is to say to myself, even if I've done wrong, even if there's a wicked way in me where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. There's no power of the devil that can overcome that. If I'm a believer in Christ, and I know people have a hard time with this, but if I am a believer and I've accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior where sin abounds, grace much more abounds, and no devil in hell can tell me any difference. There's no devil that can tell me any difference because I'm a saved child of God. And where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. So I hope this encourages you. Shelly, thank you for sending that question. God bless you. We love you. And I hope this encourages you. Ask yourself a question. Say, is this the voice of the devil or is this the voice of God? Pray for discernment for the voices. And I pray that just like the psalmist said, so a woman or a man thinks in his heart, so are they. I pray that you know you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Until next, next time, friends, God bless.